Welcome to FMH InsureCast, a podcast created by Farmers Mutual Hale, designed to deliver expertise and insights from trusted FMH team members and industry experts. Each new episode will dive into new products, industry updates, and innovative solutions. Let's get to today's topic. Well, welcome everybody back to the FMH InsureCast. It's time again to make decisions about our FSA programs. Uh, We are in a much different price environment than we were a year ago. So let's go ahead and see what's changed and the impacts it may have on our crop insurance decisions as well. I also want to note that we're recording this uh, as both audio and video today. So you can access this not only on the podcast platforms that we've had prior, but also on YouTube. So be sure to check us out on YouTube as well. Uh, With me today to navigate our FSA programs, as promised uh, in our previous episode, Ken Ripley, welcome back to the show. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Uh, Looking forward to having our discussion today. Yeah, perfect. Um, I know you and I have been on the update meeting trail. How's it been for you? I heard a little chilly. Yeah, it's uh, actually, uh, as we're recording this here, we just finished up our North Dakota updates here this week and uh, had uh, actually really good weather other than it was cold. So always great to get to North Dakota and not dealing with three feet of snow. So it was fun. Most definitely. I just wrapped up my update meetings last week in Illinois as well. It is January 19th, by the way. Just to give you guys a little update on our prices uh, here on January 19th, we're looking at new crop corn at about 478 and new crop beans 1197. Obviously, those are going to change before we get to our pricing period starting on February 1st for a majority of you. Um, but I know a common question I also get this time of year is what is our volatility running? Because we want to start running some quotes. So as of right now, using some price discoveries from other states. We're running on December corn at a volatility of 0.18 and 0.14 on beans. So first, I just want to recap maybe a little bit of an impact that those lower prices have to our guarantees because last year we had a spring price of 591 and I think 1376 on beans. That's correct. And so, uh, Ken, can you talk us quick about the impact to our guarantees before we get to the ARC PLC? Because I think the ARC PLC programs are becoming of a bigger part of our conversation because we have such a decline in our commodity prices. So how, yeah. how has it affected our crop insurance? Yeah. So unfortunately, we're you know speaking with my farmer hat on the impacts today, at least in southern Minnesota, where I farm, uh, we're looking at even 85% policies not actually covering the break-even costs for producers. So, you know, inputs went down. They have not gone down at the same rate their our spring prices or our future prices are tracking at right now. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, Last year, we were down 17% from spring to fall with crop insurance. Well, we've even tailed further south than that. So we're we're probably pushing 18% or better um, on the corn side. And, and beans is even, I uh, don't know the percentage off my head here, but it's dropped even, well, it's probably close to that range, actually. I say it. we weren't as far down with our spring price or our fall price with crop insurance last year, but now we're trading um, way below our fall price for soybeans this last year. So kind of concerning. Um, definitely, like like I've talked this week on the uh, update trail, it's going to require producers to look at break-evens a lot closer, uh, know their cost of production, and uh, 
really sharpened the marketing skills. It was a lot easier to sell grain when it was at the higher prices, um, when it was a profitable sale, no matter when you made it. Not so much as we look at things right now. Yeah, most definitely. And so, I mean, obviously with our guarantees being lower, our margins are tighter, and it really increases the importance of both crop insurance and these FSA programs. So um, maybe I'll, uh, I'll kick us off here and just say the, the FSA programs are lined up nicely for most of you out there in which you have to make this decision by March 15th. You're going to the FSA office and making your elections at the farms, farm number level and crop level. And there's really three options. Uh, the PLC, ARC County, and ARC Individual. And we're going to go through each one of those. Ken, do you want to take a stab at uh, the PLC program first? Yeah, so the, just a refresher on that, that price loss coverage, that is essentially a floor. So, um, for example, in 2023, our floor on corn was $3.70. Our floor on soybeans was um, eight forty, and on wheat was five fifty. So we had to get below those prices, and if we do fall below those prices, whatever we fall, you know, actually, since we'd fall below, we'd multiply that by our our PLC yields that are at FSA, and then paid out at eighty five percent of our base acres. Um, but we have some exciting news, and I don't know if you want me to jump into it regarding yeah. some increases there. So. <laughs> Actually, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but I don't think we've ever had where this the new functionality that went into the 2018 Farm Bill has ever kicked in where these reference prices have, have ever gone higher um, the, on, and corn and beans is what I'm referring to. So we're kicking out, they look at 85% of the, um, of the Olympic yields for, or excuse me, Olympic prices for FSA. So as a result, we're kicking out the low year and a high year and averaging the middle three, and then we can only go below 85% of that. Well, the reality is what that did for us, we are now at $4.01 on corn and $9.26 on soybeans. Now, those prices really probably don't make us jump up and down, but they have a bigger impact when we start talking about uh, the ARC policies. Uh, and I'll let you maybe touch a little bit on that too. Yeah, yeah most definitely. And at the end of the day, those reference prices under the PLC program are those benchmarks. And if we fall below those levels with what we call the marketing year average price, that's when we would receive a payment. Um, that marketing year average price is a national average of cash prices received by the farmer. Um, I believe NAS conducts surveys with all sorts of points of um, sale and basically compiles that and they come up with both a monthly and then annual uh, marketing year average price. So as of right now, those prices, like Ken said, probably don't make you jump up and down. But one reminder is that both the ARC and PLC programs use the same marketing year average price. And for 2024, we won't even start discovering that price until September 1st of 24. And we will not know the final marketing year average until August 31st of 2025. So we're talking about a long length of time here. And even at this point in, in prices, we're a ways away from reaching these levels. 
However, it wouldn't take a whole lot with a good year and good harvest to start getting into this, into these ranges, fortunately or unfortunately, I guess, for the, for the PLC program. So Correct. let's yeah. go, let's go to the Art County program, uh, Ken. How about a high level summary of the Art County program? Yeah, so Art County is, is the one FSA program that really kind of is very similar to uh, multi-parallel. We use a, a five-year Olympic yield uh, that is trended just like crop insurance trends are for, for your APH. Uh, so we look at the low, take out the low, we take out the high, and we average the middle three to come up with the county expected yield. And then we do the same thing with this price. Um, and we kick out any lows, but we replace uh, them with that new reference price I just talked about. So corn, we can never have a price below 401 in that in those Olympic price discoveries. So uh, and, and beans can never go below 926. And as a result, that change to those reference prices moves our corn uh, a guarantee price, or think of it as a spring price, as four dollars and eighty five cents. And soybeans is eleven dollars and twelve cents. Uh, so that that is a uh, a big move up. Actually, I hate to say it, but right now we're trending, we're trading. As we talked earlier, we're trading below the corn price. So that definitely puts a lot of pressure um, or a lot of a lot more emphasis on County Arc. And and again, like I mentioned before, if we, if we all below our guarantees, we're going to pay out at eighty five percent of our base acres of those crops. Again, regardless of what we plant on the acres, it's going to pay on our base acres that are on file at FSA. Yeah, and so correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, Ken, but we will take then those five-year Olympic average of prices, which are known and they're not going to change, right? That 485, 11, 12, those are not going to change. We'll multiply those times the five-year Olympic average of yields to come up with a county's benchmark revenue. So every county uses the same prices, but they're going to have a different yield. Each county is going to have a different yield. So we will take uh, that benchmark revenue then 485 times whatever the yield is. And if the county's final marketing your average price times their final yield falls below 86% of that benchmark revenue, that's when our county would kick in. Um, so that's, that's really the art county program. The biggest differences between our county and PLC is just our county has a yield element to it. albeit a county yield element. Uh, PLC is price only. So we do uh, look at prices here and the fact that our county has yield element and you probably favor our county here a little bit. Uh, I will say though, if we take 485 times this implied deductible that our county has, which is 86%, that ends up being a price of 417. PLC doesn't really have a deductible. Once you fall below those prices, that's when you get a payment. So Although our county, even at 86%, is 417 and better than PLC and also includes yield, they are closer in, in actual protection maybe than we perceive up front. Uh, would you say that's fair, Ken? Yeah, no, that's fair. It's, uh, um, it's, it's almost, it's been a while since we've even had to talk about these being, yeah. uh, being <laughs> something in the equation, but uh, these movements up on the reference prices have definitely uh made us stand up in our chairs and take notice again. Yeah. And I think maybe the biggest change that really, I mean, when we walked into 23, our, our county price was 398 and we were at $6 corn. 
Mm-hmm. And we're 12 months later and our county price is better than our current commodities price. Yeah. So. Crystal ball, I'd have a lot more grain sold. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. Okay. Then there's a third one. So we talked about PLC, ARC County. There's also ARC Individual. Uh, tell us a little bit about ARC Individual, Ken. Yeah. So, the, so hence its name, it's individual. It's going to be the producer's yields uh, doing the same thing that Ryan talked about, where it's a 86% policy. It's using the producer's yields. There's a unique component about it. The prior two, you could make an election by farm number, by crop, whether you want to be in ARC, P- ARC County or PLC. If you do ARC individual, you have to do all commodities of that farm number, and then you get a weighted average based on what you plant for your guarantee. Um, the other kicker is it pays only at 65% of the base acres versus 85. So you give up a little bit to have it be your yield versus the county. Um, you know, full disclosure, I have one of my farms I sign up with this because it's I only plant one crop on it. It's kind of excluded by itself. It works pretty well. And I've had some discussions in the last few months out uh, with meetings that I've had in the Dakotas. And, and there's areas where counties that product makes sense because they, the part, they're they in a the part of a county where they're, they don't perform like the county. And so some producers definitely get a benefit of, hey, I don't perform like the county. I'm better off to have it where the, let's say in this case, the eastern side of the county performs way better than we historically do. So when they do good, I'm usually doing bad. It's going to count against me where the individual coverage is my benefit. So there's definitely a play on it. It just, it's a little different. You're gonna, you're gonna get a blended weighted um, guarantee if you do the ARC individual. Yeah, and so a couple other notes on there. It, it also then obviously, because we're using individual yields, requires the farmer to report those yields to FSA on an annual basis. And then on top of that, I guess I'll just say, because the the, base acre percentage is lower, 65 instead of 85. You need to make sure that, uh, I guess, at least perceivably, because it's probably not easy to to uh, sit down and do the math on this, but at least perceivably, that ground that you're putting into ARC individual needs to be significantly more variable um, than what the county is. Because if the county is going to generate payments, you're going to get more of those uh, higher payments because it's at 85% of your base acres. So you would need ARC individual to be generating that many more payments at 65% of your base acres in order to actually uh, make ARC individual work a little better for your farm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, and I, I have giggled before asking this question because I feel like maybe it's uh, day by day, but are any of these likely to pay for 2024, Ken? Um, well, selfishly, I'm hoping no, because <laughs> that means we have better commodity prices that uh, we desperately need with the with the cost of production we have this year. Um, PLC, the reality is there's the likelihood of PLC paying, paying isn't very strong, just because we're still at a 401 and we're at the nine, um, 926 uh, and 550 on wheat. Um, it's those numbers are pretty low. And if we get there, we've got a lot of hardship that's going to happen in the crop insurance world before we get to those levels. Uh, corn, we're still going to need something either yield or price drop to trigger because, you know, still at a 86% of these numbers we've talked about, I've done the math, it still takes a, a fairly low county yield or a fairly low price for those to kick in. So it's not like they're a slam dunk by any means. We're not at a, we're not 
going to be telling you that these are guaranteed like we had when the 2014 Farm Bill came out. We had two guaranteed years of payments on our county. We're not in that situation yet. Um, let's cross our fingers that in a few months from now, we're not having to revise this podcast and saying, oh, guess what? We're in a guaranteed payment. Well, let's hope right. that's not the case. Yeah, no, I, I think um, what is safest to say is that we're we're closer to triggering these uh, programs than we have in, say, the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. But we're still in a position where things have to get worse from here, either in a price or yield standpoint, in order for us to start triggering them. So, um, Ken, you shared with me a document that could be helpful for farmers when they're making these decisions. Uh, that was a document you got from FSA. You want to explain a little bit about that and why farmers and agents might be curious about it? Yeah. So uh, it's called the it's FSA's 156EZ. That is a document that by farm number is going to recap what you have for your PLC yields that you updated in, if you, if, if you updated your yields back in the 2014, I believe we got to do it again in 2018, our yield updates. Um, and it, so it's going to give you your yields for PLC to know what it would trigger if we fell below those prices. But it's also going to tell you what your base acres are, your cropland acres, buy commodity, and then also tell you which programs you're currently enrolled in uh, with the 23 crop year if you haven't gone in and done any elections here for 24 yet. So it's a very nice recap, and I and definitely recommend um, uh, producers take a look at that just to make sure we don't have surprises because we had a few surprises this year. Guys thought they were in one thing, and unfortunately they weren't, and it did impact uh, on the crop insurance side a little bit. So. Uh, 156 easy is the form you'd want to get either off of farmers.gov if you've got your uh, login for that or just go to your local FSA office and they can give you that document. Perfect. I'll also throw out that um, I don't know how well we did explaining it up front here, but you are able to elect these programs by farm, by crop. Um, The small exception is with ARC individual, you have to compile your crops. And if you're using multiple farms, you have to compile those farms together under the ARC individual program. But otherwise, the the decision is by crop, by farm. So you could have some farms enrolled into one program and some in another, even within the same crop. Um, And the same thing, if I want to put all of my corn into PLC, I can still put all my beans into ARC County. Both of those are fine. Right. So tell me, Ken, what is the uh, tie-in with these FSA programs and crop insurance. Yeah, so the big one is if you want to participate in a product from crop insurance called uh, SCO or supplemental coverage option, you are required to have PLC or price loss coverage. Uh, The reason being is County ARC, like Ryan mentioned before, is an 86% guarantee. SCO is crop insurance solution to mirror the ARC County product with a 86% guarantee. So you can't take County ARC and SCO through your crop agent. You have to be signed up in PLC to be able to get the SCO offering through the RMA. So that's that's the true tie. Uh, if you're not doing uh, SCO, then there really isn't any connection with the between the two, but that is a critical link and uh, one that's very important. That's why we referenced that 156EZ, because if you want SEO, you definitely want to make sure you're in PLC at the FSA office. Perfect. On our previous podcast, we went into some depth on both SEO 
and ECO. So if you want a little bit more information there, uh, go ahead and check that out. But as a reminder, SCO is county-based crop insurance coverage. It attaches at 86%. That's why it is so closely related to ARC and has that restriction. On the other hand, ECO, which we, again, also referred to in the previous podcast, that does not have this restriction. There is no limitations on where you can buy ECO based off of what your uh, FSA programs are. So what do our options look like? Can we, we have ARC County versus PLC. We're, we're going to set ARC individual aside just because it's a fairly unique and, and doesn't apply everywhere nearly as much as ARC County and PLC do. But between ARC County and PLC, we have this uh, option of SCO. So tell me, talk to me about how you're framing this decision in your, in your own mind. Yeah. So, so, you know, like we've t- talked in previous times, um, the decision really isn't really between our county and PLC. It's more of the decision between our county and SCO. Uh, and, and that, and some of the critical things you want to think about, especially like when I was in the Dakotas, um, there's a lot of times those producers have a lot of crops. So they have a lot of base crops. So their base gets chopped up a little bit, or they plant a non-program crops. Like I was up in Fargo here, you know, there's a lot of sugar beets, obviously, in the area. That's a non-program crop. So the, those those farm numbers may not have base acres that match close or are close to the true cropland acres. So one of the benefits of SCO versus our county is it's going to pay based on your planted acres, and where county arc is only going to pay based on your base acres and at 85%. So we're going to pay 100% of the planted acres with SCO versus 85% of the base acres. And it, and that our county doesn't matter whether you plant that crop or not. You're going to get paid. You could plant soybeans and get an, and get an ARC county payment, which I've never quite understood that, but that's the way those programs are set up. But um, <laughs> that's the nice thing about SCO. So there's definitely areas where really the if you don't have a great base of a crop, the decision for that crop was probably going to tend you to look at SCO uh, a lot stronger because now you're getting coverage on that crop that you're planting. So um, definitely need to take that in consideration when you're making your decisions. Yeah. So uh, a few of the variables that I'll just call out that are involved here would be uh, just as you mentioned, what is your total base of a certain crop versus what you're expecting to plant? And wherever we are expecting to plant a lot more acres than our base would would uh, yield out, that probably lends itself more towards the insurance side, more towards SCO. But maybe in some areas, farmers have done a really good job of revising their base. And it's possible, say, a thousand acre farmer in Iowa has 700 acres of corn base but they do a true rotation and they're more like 500 acres a piece of corn and beans actually planted year over year. In that case, you have 700 base acres of corn. You're planning to plant 500. That probably lends itself a little bit more towards the FSA programs because the FSA programs don't count what you are planting. They just simply count those base acres. Right. Um, our county, this is probably the biggest difference that I think lends SCO the upper hand here. Our county, when we're talking through this, does not have the harvest price option. And for those of you very familiar with crop insurance, the most closely related policy to our county is an RPHP 
policy. When we established the price for our county, and I'll use corn as the example at 485, the guarantees for each county, the benchmark revenues, are going to use 485. Even if our prices go to five, six, seven dollars, we're going to still use 485, but we're going to be multiplying our production times that higher price. And so we did not have the Art County program in 2012, but if we did, say in the state of Iowa, where we had a lot of yields that were 30, 40, 50% off of what was expected, in 2012, if we had Art County, it still probably wouldn't have paid. Because when we go back and look, the, the Olympic average of prices going into 2012 would have been about where we're at right now, 480. But that final price was almost $7. It was 689 was the marketing year average price in 12. And so in that case, you would have had to have county yields below 50% of actual yield in order to get a payment. So that's a big difference. Art County does not have the harvest price option. SCO, so long as it's bought with a revenue protection plan, does have that uh, higher um, harvest price. And we would recalculate your guarantees and your liability off that higher price for SCO. Another element, and maybe you can tell me what your county looks like, Ken. I'll pull up one here in a second. But RMA's expected county yields, like the ones we use for SCO, ECO, and margin protection, those are not going to be the same as what FSA has for their Olympic average, right? Right. So maybe you tell me what things look like in your neck of the woods, but I think a general statement could be, if yields have been recently very good in your area, those FSA Olympic averages are probably going to be better than what RMA's expected county yields are. And if your county has just had an, uh, an average past five years, then they're going to be closer. But I'm curious what you're seeing in, in Southern Minnesota, Ken. Yeah, for the most part, it's going to definitely vary by county. Um, depends on where they're at here in some of the first years of that five-year lookup um, or, or uh, analysis. But like in my county here, the our county yield definitely is higher than the um, expected county yield for uh, SCO or ECO. But we have a very good yield for the county. So I don't want to make it sound like we're out of line. Both of these are going to be in, in line with what we're expecting to see. Um, for average APHs in the county. So so both give us give us good numbers, but um now when I was in the, the Dakotas, there's definitely cases depends on the crop where the SCO was a much better yield in the county because we've had some had some rougher growing seasons in the last five years that uh, that brought down the county yield. So definitely need to look at your county and and see exactly what uh um what's occurred in the last five years, but both cases we're getting a trended yield. So the same trend we use for crop insurance is trending the actual yields for the county and trending those up over the last five years. Yeah. So I think if there is one trend we can snag out of here is that in most of the Corn Belt, your FSA yields are probably going to be a little better. I would say most of them are close. They're within five, 10 bushels, but I have mm -hmm. seen occasions where that FSA yield is 15 bushels better or more than the RMA county yield. And I've seen it flipped as well. I've seen the RMA county yield be 10 bushels better than the FSA yield. So it is county to county, crop to crop, but if there is one trend, it's probably that FSA yields tend to be a little better. Um, right. 
while you were chatting there, Ken, I just pulled up a county because <clears throat> I wanted to talk, talk through some numbers here. And we put together a quick calculator that kind of estimates the, to the best of our ability what an average payment might be under the ART County program and then under the SCO program combined with PLC. And so I pulled up Hardin County, Iowa. I put down that, hey, we plant as many acres as we have in terms of base. I plugged in a, an average PLC yield and I have the multiple level at 75%. And without going through the details of the numbers here, at this point, you could say the SCO and PLC package definitely looks more appealing than our county. But one thing that is another element here is the multiple level. So that's at 75%, which means my, my SCO payment has a maximum payment of 11%. But if I flip that from 75 to 80, now my payments become very close. Uh, my average net payment, and again, this these are rough numbers, my average net payment under SCO and PLC goes to just under $10,000, and my average payment for our county goes just over $10,000. If I flip this again from 80 to 85, then it really, really lends itself towards our county. So if you've bought that 1% of SCO in the past, there's, it's not worth hanging on to. It's not worth hanging on to. Just, just go ahead and enroll into our county at this point. It's that 80% level. That's a 50-50 zone in a lot of places. Uh, once you get to 75% level or below, uh, crop insurance and PLC combined tend to look better than what our county does by itself. Would that be what you've kind of seen out there too, Ken? Is yeah. that a fair yeah, uh, the, summary? Correct. Yeah. Though the only exception would be on the 85 is if you happen to have farm members without any base for mm. those, then you are able to elect PLC or you'll default to PLC. Then that seal would make sense. But those are, you know, they're not very common to see where you have a farm without some of the crop base, but there are some situations. And I had one of those discussions this week in North Dakota. So um, there are, Times when it an one uh, percent SEO could make sense, but it's only because you don't have any base of that crop. Yep. And another consideration here um, <clears throat> is SEO plus. Uh, we talked a bit about that on the last podcast as well. But SEO plus is a private product available exclusively through FMH, and I know that. I've seen some strategies out there that have worked with SCO plus, especially when you stack it up against a high level um, multiple like 85% enterprise units or any one of the higher levels of optional units, 75, 80, 85%. Usually we can leverage that subsidy of SCO, buy back our individual coverage and do it at a, at a level where we're not asking the farmer to pay a lot more, but we're enhancing their overall insurance package. Is that about what you've seen too, Ken? Anything you would add with SCO plus is also being a factor yeah. in this uh, decision? Yeah. And uh, one of the other, th definitely is like, again, I'm sorry, I'm referencing a lot of times of the Dakotas, but yeah. a lot of times in the areas where we're seeing maybe a little bit higher multi-parallel rates, SCO is so highly subsidized that it definitely gives us that an opportunity to get higher coverage levels. When you marry that with our SCO plus, it really makes a nice package. So, um, you know, you get into Iowa, Minnesota, you know, the I states regarding multi-parallel, sometimes the 85 is just the better way to go. So it takes SEO out of the picture. 
but boy, you get into the areas where we have those higher, um, higher multi-parole rates in a, a 75 is the more, you know, more affordable portion. The SCO with the SCO plus is a really nice package. Totally agree. Um, one other thing I'll add to, and this is just kind of how I think about things, but when we have our county and we're relying on our county, we're really relying on it from the point at which the marketing year average starts and when it finishes, which that's in September and through the following August, right? What we don't have is a lot of protection for prices from now until September. So if I don't have a high level um, insurance policy or I don't have SCO, I may be missing out on potential price drops between now and September 1st. And so if I have both SCO and PLC, I have price protection from now until September 1st or October. And then I also have price protection through PLC that carries on through the rest of that marketing year average. So it, it's a bit more of holistic price protection. Uh, the PLC doesn't have that yield element to it, but I would actually argue that, especially when we get into very low price environments where PLC might pay, um, PLC works better, especially in areas that have had very consistent yields. So with our county, it has a yield element that could both help us or hurt us. And so if the yields in the county are good, but prices are still low, it could kick us out of an ARC County payment. Whereas if we have a great yield in the county, but prices are still low, PLC can still pay. So mm -hmm. it's, not, uh, it's not perfect coverage uh, here with PLC, but when it's combined with SCO, I think it's more holistic coverage than just ARC County by itself. Yeah. That was a lot of gobbledygook, Ken. Help me, no. help, me, help me say that in a better way. Yeah, no, I think you get kind of the best of both worlds. You're getting a yield component, you're getting a price component with SCO, but then you're getting a price floor with PLC. So it's a, it's a, a really nice holistic package is really what we're, what, what we're trying to sum up here. Yep. And of course, so you're making these elections on ARC or PLC at the FSA office. How do you purchase SCO? It's literally a checkbox on your application. And um, once we get to acreage reporting, if you do have some split elections of ARC or PLC at FSA, then we'll just have to be mindful when we're reporting those acres to make sure that we've marked the farms that would qualify for SCO and the ones that would not. Yeah, I'm going to throw in here again another plug, just because we had a couple of cases where producers forgot to go and change PLC and definitely had an impact on the coverage it got. Definitely get the 150, 156EZ from FSA and give that to your crop agent to make sure we have everything synced together. So the insurance you're buying matches your program election at FSA. So don't like those surprises. <laughs> um, so a quick recap here. We have the ARC and PLC programs. If SCO is not a consideration, the, the typical best bet at this point is going to be ARC County, uh, at least for corn and beans. Some of the other crops that qualify under these may have PLC as the better, uh, the better bet at this point, but for corn and beans, it would be ARC County. Of course, if we do want to look at SCO, there's a few considerations with all the variables, but I think the, the safe bet is if we're attaching SCO at 75% or lower, it's a good, good deal for the farmer. If you're at 85%, 
typically you're probably better off just dropping the SEO and it's at that 80% point where it's a bit more of a 50-50. And if you can get your hands on the county yields for FSA and RMA, um, keep a close eye on prices, maybe SEO plus is a factor. Uh, all those things might weigh into that decision at that 80% level. Ken, any final thoughts from you? Yeah, I think the takeaway that I'd have for, for the group would be, you know, take a look at your bases like you've mentioned, see what your base crop acres are. Um, if that mix doesn't match, that also leads more to their discussion, like we had said on SEO. And I definitely had those discussions in the last few weeks with, with agents that uh, SEO is a great play when you don't have base that's close to what you're planning to plant of those commodities. So um, get that information up front when you're, so when you can lay out your plan for crop insurance, you have all the facts in front of you. That's the critical thing. Perfect. Well, thank you everybody for listening to this episode. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and also check us out on YouTube. We appreciate you listening and we'll chat at you again soon. You've been listening to FMH InsureCast. We appreciate you joining us today and would like to hear from you. If you have questions about today's topic or an idea to share for an upcoming podcast, you can contact us at fmhpodcast at fmh.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is intended for information purposes only. See policy provisions, terms, and conditions for details. Products underwritten by Farmers Mutual Hail Insurance Company of Iowa and its affiliates, West Des Moines, Iowa. Farmers Mutual Hail is an equal opportunity provider.